Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixelist Podcast, the podcast about all the nerdy things we enjoy. I'm Will, that's Blake. Today we're here to talk about some Critical Role. Hey, you know I love that Critical Role. Oh, yes sir. And um, yeah, dude, my, my, <laughs> all of a sudden my headphone cord is like jacked up, <laughs> jacked up on Mountain Dew. <laughs> Technical yeah, difficulties. Uh, I even have this on the right side. <laughs> I do, okay, sorry. New listeners are like, what is going on? <laughs> what's what's happening here? <laughs> All right, there we go. But yeah, dude, Critical Role. And uh, we're putting this episode out Thursday, but we don't have an episode to look forward to tonight, unfortunately. Sad. But, you know, for those of you out there that are also sad, at least you have our episode coming out today, right? Yeah. You know? Are they uh, doing anything tonight? I know they've been doing like one shots and stuff on the off weeks. Is it just a purely... I think off this night, is just night? a pure off night, which, yeah, mm-hmm. it's the first one in a while, feels like, with no one-shot or EXU. It's probably because they did the back-to-back, um, like they did EXU Calamity, and then they had the one-shot, and then the show came back. Yeah. That's uh, probably a piece of it. So I bet so. So, yeah, yeah you know, no episode tonight, but uh, it's only a week away. I, don't, I couldn't think of anything to, <laughs> to soften <laughs> the like, blow there. I was like, <laughs> go on <laughs> so where are we going with this well yeah so well uh if you're new to the channel um not only do we talk D, we also do a little marvel action pretty much any of that like we we like that is nerdy we enjoy it and we're coming up on a thousand subs which if you haven't checked our previous content with thousand subs we are going to do a giveaway to our subs um so just be mindful of that and uh hey thank you for supporting the channel so yes thank you and um, yeah, I guess without further ado, we can go ahead and just jump into things. Um, again, if you're unfamiliar with us, we like to start these discussions with a recap of each episode. And we cut that out, host it on YouTube separately, just for anybody that likes to catch up before the new episode each week. Uh, so if you find yourself on that video and you're interested to hear our actual discussion theories, yada, 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 uh, we'll link to that below. Um, but without further ado, uh, let's jump into this episode 28 of critical role campaign three i uh the death wish run there we go so (laughs) this one we actually got a death wish run (laughs) yeah that's true or wait no yeah okay what's the last one called it doesn't Uh, matter i think it it was a race for the prize i'm actually looking at it right now i didn't just remember that but yeah (laughs) not one but two race named episodes that's right double the pleasure double the fun anyway so (laughs) Right. <laughs> we we pick up with the party basically just doing their final preparations for the death wish run this race that they're participating in and um again the party has two crawlers one that they purchased themselves and one that was loaned to them um via the paragon's call so first up who are our drivers so for the bell's hells crawler which is the one they purchased where we have ashton driving and imogen riding shotgun uh and they've named it the red moon for the loner crawler we have chetney driving Lodna riding shotgun and fcg also um riding uh this doesn't happen yet but ultimately what happens is fcg serves as the front wheel 
of mm-hmm. of this crawler and their name is the buck fuck it <laughs> and yeah. matt basically goes over all the rules of the race mechanically like how the action economy is going to work like you know yada 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 that i won't you know bog everybody down with here um but he essentially notes that if you have two passengers in laudna and fcg you are going to forfeit some mobility some speed so it's then it's here when the whole party kind of analyzes and talks and comes up with the plan of fcg serving as the front wheel so they figure all that out um weld him there and uh meanwhile imogen and ashton are in charge of the bomb that the group had commissioned and uh they take it in their crawler place it between them and the rest of the crew that aren't on a crawler are deciding how best they want to help this mission um do they want to sabotage what's their plan going to be uh fern in particular wild shapes into a flying squirrel and tries to sneak on the paragon's call uh crawler but she's immediately like noticed and kicked away and uh you know takes some damage so poofs back out into her standard (laughs) form um so you know we keep preparing not much else big happens though and you know it's time for the race so the flag is dropped everyone's a go and this race is broken down into four sections we have the skids the ravine the climb and basically like the home stretch Mm -hmm. um so for the sake of keeping this recap you know brief um just gonna hit the highlights uh so for the skid section we basically have everyone starting out and trying to gain ground on each other and lots of different tricks are coming out of everyone's bag uh, you know, Ladna uses her scariness, her form of dread to try to like frighten other racers away from her. So they have to like legitimately like move as far away from her as they can. Um, Imogen is using her uh, telekinetic shove to try to push people off their crawlers. And she's also using command uh, to tell them to stop, like to break um, <clears throat> all sorts of crazy tricks. Um, but Ultimately, the kind of big cool moment that happens in this first section is Imogen gets this awesome how do you want to do this moment where she like casts a lightning bolt and is able to hit um, the driver, the uh, passenger, and the crawler itself and causes it to just explode and completely remove this one from the race. And more combat ensues, more combat ensues. Um, Also with Chetney's crawler, uh, they get caught in this like metal net that's like really screwing them up, but Chetney goes werewolf and is able to ultimately tear through yeah. it. Um, cool. Meanwhile, Orem and Dusk, who are not on crawlers, have been you know plotting what they're doing, and they've come up with this plan that they are going to try to leap off and board a crawler as it like rounds this corner. So Orem does just that, has this like awesome you know acrobatic move where he like leaps off with his shield and just like straight plummels into the driver of this crawler and he action surges and is, is actually successfully able to fully knock the driver off um dusk follows right behind him and uh she manages to knock off the passenger so mm-hmm. orm and dusk have fully taken control of this crawler you know effectively removing another one from the race um after this uh after all this kind of chaos in this first section there are only two rival crawlers left in addition to you know the ones driven by our party and uh that's actually where we take the break yeah so coming back uh from the break the party's actually like transitioned into like this cavernous region that's it's it's um and there's there's like a darkness spell out too that i think maybe imogen casted or someone um which 
in Imogen's case, she can't see in the dark anyway. <laughs> um, they end up using FCG as like a headlamp, basically, or like headlights on the car. Um, yeah. And so he casts a light on his face and there's a little bit of a metagame moment where Imogen's like, I'm going to hold my action until FCG casts a light. <laughs> and then it goes to FCG and he's like, I'm going to cast light. Um, and so the party's continuing through like this, this winding cavernous area. And Chetney actually notices that there's bones strewn all over the ground, which is like, why are there bones here? And it's around this time that this large beast basically appears in front of them. Uh, Matt describes it as almost like a leopard with scales, but the mini was really cool. The mini actually had like glowing green eyes. Uh, that was pretty cool and looks like a large uh, creature. Uh, and it goes by, it's called a uh, Kagoronk, um, which we shockingly did not get very many names. We shockingly didn't get many jokes about the name, but yeah. um, the Kagoronk is there. And um, actually right before the Kagoronk shows up, you know, Will, you mentioned there were two other opposing uh, crawlers. They actually deal with both of these crawlers. Um, Orum pulls up next to one of them and he takes like the blue flower petal that they picked up on their way to, um, I can't think of the place, basically where they were going to the heist. Uh, oh, yeah. They were traveling and they picked up a couple of different things like in the wild. Well, he picks up this blue flower back then and he takes it and he uses it and he blows it and it, sh it shoots like this crackling lightning onto the um, other car and he gets a cool how do you want to do this moment where he basically blows up the other car. Um, Ashton also pulls alongside another car and uses his gravity hammer and basically blows up that car too. gets his own cool how do you want to do this moment. Uh, and then the Kagarok shows up and Imogen's like, wow, I'm glad we destroyed all of our opponents <laughs> before this showed up. So they're like driving through the caverns as this huge beast is running alongside them, taking swipes at them, tail whipping them, all this kind of stuff. Ladna actually at one point is knocked unconscious um, from this uh, and Dusk actually jumps to her car and casts, interestingly enough, lay on hands on her, which is a paladin spell, kind of interesting, uh, to bring her back. And then Orm has this really awesome moment where um, he throws like these two daggers, um, one for the head and one for the legs of the Kagaronk, and successfully causes the Kagaronk to collapse and go prone so that the party can then escape. Um, and there's a cool moment like as they're escaping where Dusk like um, does Eldritch Blast on like the Salag tights um, and they collapse and collapse and kind of like, you know, destroy like the, the path behind them. Um, so they make their way up the climb and they're, they know they're getting closer to the finish line. And there's a moment where they see like these two individuals on a cliffside who are like pushing boulders off to try to stop them. Um, they also notice, uh, there's kind of like this dust storm happening. They also notice figures who are like pulling barriers out into the roadway. And they, there's sort of this implication that this might even be the all minds burn who are trying to sort of like guide them in the direction of the finish line. Um, but then the Kagaronk actually climbs up a cliffside, shows up again. Uh, the fight continues as they're just racing through. And then Ashton has this awesome moment where with his gravity hammer basically cuts through, like smashes through like the jaw and the head of the Kagaronk and kills it. Um, they're making their way to the bone tree, the final spot. And then Fern, who's there, who's kind of just <laughs> hanging out, 
realizes that some of these these barriers that are getting drug out are actually designed to block the party. Uh, they're like these spiky barriers. So she tries to pull one with telekinesis out of the way. It's too heavy. She decides she's going to put the portable hole under one to like <laughs> take care of it. She rolls a natural one and she falls into the hole. <laughs> and the party basically, um, uh, they actually do make their way to the finish line. I think one of their cars like explodes or something and they like roll off or something like that. I can't remember. But they get to the finish line and they are the only survivors. Even Fern's kind of like, wow, no one else survived. This is pretty cool. Um, Ratanish and Adahan show up. They're like, great job. Adahan's like, yeah, you guys will do. Like basically report to business in the next few days and we'll start like your training. I report to the, the fortress for, you know, uh, the work that we're going to do together. Um, the party's like on a high. I mean, there's this funny moment where Orem's like riding on Fern's back being like, and then this happened and then this happened and <laughs> you know, just swapping stories. Um, and there's even a cool moment between Ladna and Dusk where Ladna kind of doubles back and is like, Hey, thanks for your offer for a date. Here's, here's why I was so skittish about it. It's because of my, you know, she's kind of like my condition, you know, being basically undead. Uh, and Dusk is like, I'm surprised that like you let that count you out. Cause if you looked at your whole group, everyone's like a bunch of weirdos. So <laughs> I'm surprised like that's the thing that, you know, I don't know, but there is an interesting moment where Imogen sees them talking again and seems to be jealous of what's going on there. So um, other than that, they're all just getting drinks, kind of relaxing, celebrating. Uh, Imahara Joe, uh, I actually go back to his place to like drop off the crawler for repairs and get FCG off the uh, crawler. And Imahara Joe is basically like, yeah, you were via Matt, you were basically one bad roll away from like having your bottom half like torn off completely. <laughs> um, but offers to fix him up. Uh, Ashton offers to stay as well. Then the party goes to the undercarriage. I think it's what it's called to celebrate. And um, there's an interesting moment where Chetney basically pulls up next to dusk and is like, Hey, so when, when Fern's parents get here tomorrow, do you want me to help you help you do it? And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you know, kill Fern's parents. And he's like, and she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he basically is like, you know, you came here with a photograph of them I mean, come on, I've been around the block. Like, they're your target, they're your mark. And Dusk is naturally just like, I don't know what you're talking about. If you've watched up to this episode, we know that she's lying, obviously. So, spoilers. But um, <laughs> there is an insight check and a deception check. She gets outrolled by him and has to whisper into his ears. Um, and he's like, oh, yeah, my mistake, whatever. Um, and also, there's an interesting moment between uh, Imogen and Ladna where Imogen does confirm that Adahan is the woman from her dreams and is like, what's that all about? And they have no idea. Uh, and then there's an interesting moment of dusk going to Fern being like, Hey, this is what Chetney said to me. Like, he's crazy. Like what the heck? And Fern's like, Hey, don't worry about him. He probably did. He was probably messing with you. And it's basically like, Hey, well, so we're basically family. Cause we're both from the Feywild. Uh, and they spend some time together and they pretty much go to sleep, like cuddling each other, like this very like warm relationship. Uh, and then there's one last detail of Orem with his observer feet, seeing all of this happening, oh, yeah. including the conversation with Chetney. Uh, and Liam just mentions that he takes note of that. Next morning, the party all reports to Imahara Joes. They know that Birdie is coming. Uh, she does, in fact, come. She pulls up in her, her own crawler, um, covered in dust, but recognizable as a fawn, just like uh, Fern. They She goes into the shop. Tells Imahara Joe basically like, hey, yeah, give me whatever you can spare. We don't know quite what it is. And then Fern is like 
hi mom. Um, there's this cool like reunion moment where they're like, oh yeah, how long has it been? And Fern's like, yeah, 90 years. While Birdie's like, yeah, it's been like six years. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, Fern's like, it's pretty sure it's been 90. And she's like, no, I'm pretty sure it's been six years. So that's kind of an interesting moment. And then uh, Fern's like, well, hey, we have your friend Dusk here. And Birdie's like, I've never met this person. Um, you know, never met the guy. Yeah. Ooh. And uh, yeah. And uh, that is when Dusk's tattoo animates off her body or their body, body, excuse me. And they transform into their true form, a figure with inky black eyes and um, gray skin. Dusk is a changeling and assumes their true form and then grabs Birdie and Fern as Birdie says, you've led them right towards us. And that is where the episode ends. That's cliffhanger. Episode, yeah. Episode 28. 28. Right? Yeah. 28 of campaign three. And if you made it this far and you want to tell us what you thought about the episode and your thoughts, theories, whatever you think about it, uh, definitely make sure you click the link so you can get to our full discussion. So, um, all right, here we are, Will. Here we are. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> uh, I had a lot of fun. I thought this race was just that, a bunch of fun. Um, yeah. It was kind of, uh, the you know, the the past, I, what was it, two episodes, I guess, ever since it's picked back up from Calamity, has been a little slow. Not that it's been bad, but, you know, it's just, uh, like, been a little slow. So uh, I really enjoyed this episode, kind of more um, high octane. And, of course, that crazy reveal at the end um yeah. just you know exciting so yeah i enjoyed it what about you yeah i liked it too i mean it's it's fun for like it's fun as like a viewer to get exposed to like the world building the mechanics building because you know there's not like a chapter yeah in you know the player's handbook on operating crawlers and right <laughs> you know i mean uh so it's cool to see like what matt's come up with um, and it's always fun too, like the way party members find ways to, you know, I, I don't know if I speak for everyone, but I know in many cases, like a pretty tried and true, like typical house D and D party, it's like, what are you going to do in your turn? And it's like, all right, what's uh, Eldritch blast and you know, whatever action you actually have, like your yeah. attack. And so I think, I think I really appreciate things like this because it really encourages players to use like their whole repertoire of things. And I've said it before, but shout outs to Imogen for her command spell, which I've had in the past and thought it was the most useless thing when I realized I couldn't tell like the bugbear to like jump off a cliff, <laughs> kill yourself. <laughs> and you're like, no, nah, I can't do that. Um, so I just I just I, I, I just always enjoy like a high creativity episode. And like you said, the reveal at the end, we knew we were heading towards it. So I'm glad that um, and the party, the party seemed genuinely surprised by it, too. Yeah. So. Yeah, they did. So uh, it's, I guess, I mean, I guess why not start there since if yeah, we're okay. going to. Uh, but yeah, because, you know, that's something we had kind of wondered about with, with Twitter and social media um, and them pre-recording the episodes. Maybe some of the cast would have it spoiled, but it really seems like they didn't. Right. Um, and not only that, but we have Travis who, you know, Has this figures it yeah. out himself right. and uh i don't remember where it might have even been during the episode but somebody like asked him uh, right. i think it yeah. would have to be during the episode because it was know. yeah it was at the end yeah yeah and You're he like, was I like i was just like at work i was working the other night and he's like it just clicked for me um 
So, I mean, not not that I would have thought Travis was metagaming. I, of course not. But I like that he just brought that up so that people aren't like, oh, Travis definitely metagamed. So that's how he knew. Um, yeah. So very insightful. And uh, Well, he's coming off Calamity like two weeks earlier, which is like a story of like tragedy and betrayal. I mean, like, so yeah, I mean... He's the site warden, man. He's the eyes of Avalier. He's got it. Which, by the way, I saw your your comment on the YouTube channel on the YouTube uh, oh, you episode with like you know you know three hundred likes or something, and you it was like something like it's almost as if he was a former site warden. Yeah, something. yeah. So I definitely just reused my own <laughs> joke there. But thanks <laughs> well, for I say that to say if you use that joke again, <laughs> you're out. <laughs> No, I was just agreeing. I was just like, yeah, yeah it's a great insight. Um, yeah, what a smart player. I, I mean, and I have seen like a little bit of drama. It, this, this kind of stuff really kind of bogs me down in the sense of like, it's like the same people who rules lawyer, like those final moments in Calamity where I'm like, dude, just enjoy it. You know, it's like, I'm like, bro, just enjoy it. Stop worrying about it. Um, I do, like you said, I like that he was like, yeah, I just kind of clicked. And it's kind of like, yeah, like, um, I don't know about you, but when you're in like a long-term campaign, it's fun to think about and meditate and, you know, be like, okay, what's going on with this character? What's happening? That's the whole premise of this podcast. Yeah. Um, so I, and, it's totally, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, and she's been fishy in a lot of ways. So like, I don't think it's out of left field for him to have those suspicions, you know? Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, we even picked up it on the podcast of like, and she, and he mentioned it. He was like, you don't remember any details. It's all fuzzy. Yeah. Like really like we even on the episode before the reveal we're talking about how weird that was yeah like <laughs> what like what's going on here but you know didn't get to the point that travis got to but i like it also because it's very much in character with his class a rogue who probably does roguish things and probably would be a little um in tune to what's going on yeah i'm glad you said that because i was i wanted to say something similar i think it's really fitting because also we know that of at least from what we know now i mean who knows what's behind the curtain that we are unaware of but for what we know now chetney is like the most morally gray of everyone in our party you know he went and hunted down that shopkeeper and you know right kind of brutally injured her over just like the price of a general goods you know right um so i think there's obviously more to kind of uncover with that side of him but i really like that kind of to me it makes sense that like somebody like that would probably be more in tune with someone who is an assassin someone who is like you know trying to pull this 180 on people so for me it all fit together really nicely so i um yeah i I really enjoy that he kind of had that moment Chetney's probably a bit in tune also with how naive the party is. Like it's never really been addressed. Um, and it's even so um it's even so glossed over by me sometimes with like the party has so much like the players are playing their characters very optimistically, um, in the sense of like it's very cozy to watch them play like FCG with you know, smiley day, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, they're just, it's you watch and you're like, Oh yeah, was, they're a good group of people. Like I, I could hang out with these people. Um, but there's also like this very palpable naivety where there's never really any suspicion that the person they're helping them has a dual motive. Um, unless Matt like portrays them in like a very, um, suspicious light. Uh, I think it makes sense for Chetney to have picked up on that and kind of as like, the old person in the group, you know, 200 plus years old or what yeah. have you. 
um, kind of just on the side thinking, I'm going to look after these people and watch over these people. And then when someone like Dusk happens to appear and has these really fuzzy details, um, again, I think it makes perfect sense that he would be kind of like, okay, something, something's going on here. Yeah. And, you know, he was also the one to kind of put together the postcard thing. So I think he's just kind of more aware of maybe more going on here than what meets the eye. But I also just like it because, you know, Chetney, 90% of the time is kind of comedic relief and kind of like, you know, the crazy old senile man. But moments like these show that there's like way more under the surface. And that might even be like an intentional mask that he's wearing, you know? Yeah. So I just... Bravo, Travis, no. I guess, is what I'm getting at at yeah. the end here. <laughs> Thumbs up, Travis. Good um, job. But no, I think of like the old, uh, oh man, uh, the Key and Peel skit where um, it's like playing the high maintenance girlfriend or something who like is really high maintenance. And uh, yeah. uh, Keegan Michael Key is like, yeah, when I first met you, I thought you were one of those high maintenance chicks. And she's like, what that's so funny and like that's if you haven't seen the skit that's the whole point is that she becomes extremely high maintenance <laughs> um but that's what the, that's what i felt with dusk of like yeah whenever you're ready for me to kill their parents with you she's like what? <laughs> no what me um which i really liked how she played that out too like going straight to fern and being like you know hurt and offended and i can't believe he would say this to me um you know really just I mean, think about it being caught in a lie, poor insight check, um, or poor deception role, excuse me, and immediately going to the person nearest to your target and yeah. trying to get to them first. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. And I'm actually, I, you'll have to remind me. So that, that, uh, insight versus deception between Chetney and Dusk, did we, did we hear the roles out loud? Like, so do we know yeah, he 11, beat her? 11 versus an 18. Yeah, okay. He beat so I was going to say, so clearly we know her to have been lying in that moment. So when she whispered to him, she probably told him that, right? Or at least maybe not so something bluntly, but gave him the idea that he was onto something at least. I thought it was interesting and it's just, you know, clever for, you know, his response after the whisper was like, oh, like, I'm sorry, like making her think she had fooled him, even though we know she didn't. I think it's kind of interesting that he didn't go talk to anybody that night. You know, like seemingly he has some form of confirmation that she's hiding something and the whole night passes and they end up going to meet Fern's parents. It's just kind of interesting to me that he wouldn't have like warned anyone about that insight that he had. Yeah, I think part of it is like this is total like conjecture on my side. I think part of its character in the sense of, okay, I I know you're lying to me, but I'm going to wait and see like what you're doing mm-hmm. um you make a really fair point though that there wasn't like any kind of like you know hey keep an eye on her or even like in the morning when birdie showed up right like not that he's not at the ready i guess but um which he may be we have no idea so i think part of it is like you know wait and see um the other part of it is and this is the conjecture piece of it is i think i think there's a little bit of like a mutual respect or spacing there where it's this person who's this guest character. You've just sort of outed their whole premise <laughs> of the character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's a bit, it's a bit, um, if I'm, I'm putting myself in, in dusk shoes, I would feel a little bit like my party has been spoiled now because this person now is like everyone, she just whispered that she's the nightmare King or, yeah. you know, something, I don't know. 
Um, you know, so I would just, I, I think there's some mutual respect there of like letting Dusk play out um, uh, as Erica envisions Dusk playing out. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it is interesting that Jenny didn't say anything or share anything. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it was basically everything you just said with maybe maybe a lot of it being letting that moment take place because that's right way more fun you know it um, is and i we've talked about this before how this group is so good at giving each other the space for those cool moments yeah like there's nothing worse than what i just did to you where you were talking and i just <laughs> jumped in <laughs> but there's nothing worse than like someone's having a cool moment and then like someone else like isn't there a moment from campaign one this is like total random isn't there a moment from campaign one where like someone's like shooting an arrow or something and it's like a natural 20 and then um the guy who's not on the show anymore he like yeah. adds in like oh yeah then i do like telekinesis to like and it was like it was like already going in mm -hmm. it was like you know jumping on someone else's moment you know yeah so in the same way, I think you and I have talked a lot about how this group does a really good job of respecting one another's moments and like letting that happen. So I think, I think you're right for sure. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that, and that moment exactly happened like that too, that you're talking about with the good old Tiberius. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree. And um, not, not to, I want to move on from this, but what's interesting is that Orem also knew and didn't say anything. Presuming he read the lips, you know. Right, right. He saw the conversation happen, yeah, and didn't do anything with it. Which you know, Chetney kind of a little bit more shady, but Orem has kind of been like this paragon of, you know, do the right thing, kind of. So it's even more interesting Le that he didn't do. Liam's anything. actually, if you watch the reveal, Liam's actually probably the least expressive person. Really, like you kind of, you kind of have Travis who's kind of like, yep, I knew it. Kind of like Nidus, um, uh, Lou from Calamity. Whenever Asmodeus has the big reveal, there, yeah, it's like, yep. Um, so Jenny kind of has something similar, and then Fern, Ladna, and Imogen. I guess Sam Regal to uh, FCG are all kind of like what, and then Liam is very stoic. And so Which, I wonder if his character, okay. like you said, like read the lips and was like, mm -hmm, yep. Well, it also makes sense because of the episode previous we talked about how Erica and Matt were texting and then I don't don't know this but it seems like Matt then texts Liam and then that's when Orem went and had that little fight date with Dusk right. so he might have been suspicious already so maybe it was less of a surprise to him Matt does a good job too of being really appreciative of Orem's natural uh perception mm -hmm. also I think it's like a, an 18 or something crazy high yeah it's huge and so, uh, yeah, I building off that comment, I wonder if even beyond that moment, there's been some texting of little details that he's picked up and Liam's kind of like, well, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like Matt says, you know, there were little things like inconsistencies in the story other than like the vague weirdness of like, oh, I don't remember. I don't know. Do you, does anything come to mind that party didn't pick up on? Nothing that, that I've really like obvious hindsight. Nothing that I've noticeably like, oh, um so not really, but I'm sure there are, but yeah, unfortunately I don't. I'd be curious for our listeners list. if you guys if you guys picked up on anything, uh either before the reveal or after if you've gone back and watched episodes or any of these scenes again, were there any details or comments made that if you were watching closely enough, knowing what we know now, would have been like sort of a smoking gun 
because um, nothing comes to mind for me either, but I'm curious what Matt's referring to. Yeah, me too. Um, but just what a cool moment altogether. It was it was cool that Erica kind of got that that time to shine and, you know, was so like, I don't know the right word, but like, uh, I, I don't know, like there's physicality to it, but I don't know. It was just, you could tell that, you know, this was kind of maybe even like the whole point of this guest spot was like this moment. I could kind of feel that energy from it. And uh, yeah, sure. I just thought it was great and fun. And then of course the aftermath, like, you know, when the, the, sh the episode was over, but you know, the live stream was still going of like everyone freaking out and Erica like jumped on the table and was like, you know, menacingly cackling. Uh, I could just, I could feel like the joy in that moment. And uh, I don't know, it was just fun. It was fun. Yeah, those are fun moments to be part of at a table, for sure. Yeah. Um, you remember those for sure. So uh, Dusk, if they even go by the name Dusk, grabs Birdie and Fern. What happens next episode? I don't know. The fact of the, the physical grab feels like uh, I'm teleporting out with these two people. Yeah, you that's know? what I was going to ask you if that's what you thought was is... Like, it doesn't seem like a hostage, like, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. Yeah. You know, like, holding on to someone, like, back away. Like, it definitely feels like grab and now I'm gone or something. Yeah, because, I mean, we don't know how strong Dusk is, I guess. Not truly. Um, I think, well, the, the, the character plate updated. And I want to say it, like, had a level on there. I want to say maybe eight or something. Oh, okay. Um, so... But I, I feel like that could still maybe even be a misdirect. So the point I'm getting at is we don't know Dusk's true capabilities, let's say. But they're surrounded. Like, is Dusk really going to be able to take on Birdie, Fern, potentially Joe, and all of the Bell's Hells? I doubt it. So to me, it's like, I'm getting out of here. So I don't know what spell necessarily, because... Um, I think with like dimension door, you can only take one person maybe. And hmm. it's not, I don't think you can, you can't like teleport instantly like that, but I mean, who knows? And it's not really about, you know, if that's yeah, what happens, that's what happens. But I'm, sure. I'm not sure, but my money would be on the trying to poof out of there. Yeah. Or maybe dimension doors open and some other people show up. Oh, that would be you interesting. Know, like some backup. Yeah. So, yeah, that would make Which sense. I forgot, I forgot to mention in the recap, but um, you know, Imogen's trying to detect thoughts on uh, dusk. Oh yeah, it feels like this protective barrier. Like that was pretty interesting. Um, which it could be. Isn't there like a ring of um? Yeah, like the, something that protects you for something like that. Yeah, Pasha um, had one in um, Calamity. Right. Right. So, yeah, there are definitely items like that that so kind of protect. Could be you. item related. Could be um, the Sorrow Lord who has sort of like this sort of guise of protection um, over Dusk. But I mean, maybe to see those characters pop up, um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I. That's why it's kind of it's painful that there's a there's an off week this week. You know, we have to wait two right. weeks for that cliffhanger to resolve. But here's what could happen, though. Just running out there, they could be. Maybe Dusk somehow, mechanically speaking, teleports them to the Feywild, to the Sorrow Lord prison or something. You know, mm -hmm. where's the Moontide Crown? Or, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Party 
follows. They're in the Feywild. We get this little arc in the Feywild. Um, we know time is wibbly wobbly. Uh, they're there for several episodes. They come back and it's only a few hours after they left. Yeah. Maybe they come back and it's the day to report to the Paragon's call. Or yeah. they come back and it's like 15 years later. <laughs> yeah. And, I don't know. Armand Treshi is president. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, I mean, anything's possible with the Feywild timey-wimey stuff. Um, uh, my, uh, my brain just went blank when we were talking about that. Uh, hopefully it'll come to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, really anything's on the table. I thought... Okay, I'm... I'm just going to pivot a little bit, but I'm hoping, you know, it's on the tip of my tongue type of thing. But with the, uh, with the reveal with her mom, or not even with the reveal, but just that moment with her mom before the reveal, uh, I thought we got some interesting things there. Uh, one being the whole discrepancy in time lost, you know, Fern thinking it's 90, Birdie thinking it's only been a couple years or whatever. Yeah. That's very strange. Because it's usually, or maybe I, maybe it's not usually, maybe I shouldn't say this, but usually the time, the weird time difference is from like leaving the Feywild as opposed to like staying there. So, you know, Fern, who presumably stayed in the Feywild, thinks, thinks it's been 90 years, but where the person that went to the material plane is the one that thinks, it's oh, it's only been a, a little bit. And maybe that's not weird. Maybe it just works both ways. But I thought that kind of stood out to me as strange. And the other thing is that her mom didn't comment at all on her looking different. You know, like if it has been 90 years, I mean, I know that the fawn live a long time, but you would think that she'd be like, oh, my gosh, like You're how you've up. grown. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, Instead, it's like, oh, my gosh. Hey, you. Yeah. Yeah. For so sure. To me, that leans credit toward it hasn't been 90 years and like the mom is right it's only been i forget what she said but however many and then all this is kind of playing back into the fact that we've discussed this before about uh the modified memory so maybe fern's modified memory is what inserted the 90 years for her and it hasn't really been that long and she doesn't even really know what's going on yeah the simple answer is Timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly, time is a weird soup. It's been 90 years for Fern, but only six in the material plane. Mm -hmm. um, and Matt just missed the opportunity to comment on you know, the difference in physical appearance. I really like your theory, and that's what I'm going to be shipping, is that there's something happening here with the modified memory. It hasn't been 90 years. And her whole premise of why her parents left is completely incorrect um also the interesting that birdie didn't mention uh what's her dad's name uh i want to say like ollie maybe yeah ollie there's no mention of ollie's not there um ollie doesn't show up Imahar joe doesn't say hey how's ollie doing you know there's no mention whatsoever um yeah which could be nothing but it for me, it just lends credit to what our Fern as an unreliable narrator, what we've perceived to be the case is actually not the case. We perceive that it's been 90 years. Her parents had left to save the world. They've been sending postcards. We know there's been a modified memory. 
fake postcards, only birdie showing up and saying it's been six years. Um, and what's frustrating is we may not even get an answer this next episode. It may be total combat, but yeah, definitely something weird happening there for sure. And I might be making this up, but I think I remember Imahara Joe saying that only one of them ever showed up at a time. Oh, okay. So at least that's not like strange that he didn't show up, but maybe it's because of like a protection thing, you know, like don't want to be too exposed at once or something. Um, and then but why? question question here, she seemingly has endless funding or not endless, but you know, um, basically says whatever you can spare, like it's no expense for us. And there's the common on like the satchel that's like full of coins. Yeah. Like, massively full of coins. Uh, so appears to be very wealthy, which what's going on there. Yeah. And we, st what are they doing? You know, what do they need these power sources for? Is it related to the nightmare King? Did, did he bring out power sources? I think so. Or... I think he was okay. like, you know, this is how many I can spare this time. And they were those power sources that had been mentioned. Yeah. Some, sometime earlier. Um, right. Uh, Oh, I remembered the thing I couldn't remember a minute ago. Um, with the whole grabbing Fern and grabbing the mom, if if there is a teleport away situation, um, then presumably the party can't immediately address it because one, they don't know where they just teleported to. And, you know, if it is the Feywild or something, who knows how long it would take them to track her down and find her. Um, so having seen the previous campaigns my first thought which again we don't even know if that's happening maybe there's no teleport at all but if there is my first thought was like this feels like one of those things that kind of is organically slotted into the game to explain a player absence which during campaign one and two ashley was gone all the time because she worked on a tv show called blind spot among other things this campaign fortunately canceled <laughs> yeah so yeah this campaign that's not a thing anymore so like one of the big like exciting things for a lot of people was that like oh ashley's gonna be here like for every episode um so this part of me is wondering like is for some reason maybe ashley gonna have to be absent from the table for a few weeks or whatever and maybe this is kind of a way to organically yeah. explain her absence or am i just you know having PTSD from past campaigns where that happened and no Ashley's you still like, here don't do this again to me Ashley <laughs> yeah so anyway yeah, I, could be. I uh, was just Dusk glad like, that I remembered that yeah Dusk like slits Fern's throat and now she's like alright guys I'm off <laughs> be back with my new character later nerds yeah D&D &D losers I'm like what I played with us for years but but so yeah <laughs> my, my I... boyfriend hates it I'm like that doesn't make sense <laughs> All right, anyway, I'm done making this joke. No, you're good. I just <laughs> keep going long and keep adding on to it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, I don't know. That's just one thing that was swirling around, which I mean, it is what it is if that's the case. I mean, people have lives, people have obligations. That is totally fine and makes sense. Um, right. But, you know, was hoping hoping that we'd get the not that not that someone can't miss an episode here and there, of course, but I'm hoping, you know, we got a full campaign of Ashley this time around, but we'll see. Yeah. I feel the same way. She's Laden is my favorite now, but Ashley's been my favorite for a while. So they're all so good, man. It's, it's hard to pick. You have to pick. Can't make me. <laughs> I, yeah, they are really great. 
I don't. I mean, I really don't even know if I know you weren't like really telling me I had to pick, but I really don't even know who <laughs> I would pick. <sighs> Maybe Chetney right now. Sure, but they're all good. They are all good. And okay, so go ahead. No, I was just gonna slightly pick back up with the what's going on, which we kind of covered. Yeah. But I mean, for my money, Fern is the one that's kind of missing some time here. Um, but it is just easily possible that it is just Feywild timey wiminess and the mom only thinks it's been six years and it has been 90. Um, but we know Fern's memory has been modified at least sometime. It might have nothing to do with this, but we know that at least. And the mom not reacting on how much she's grown. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like something's going on with Fern more so than the mm -hmm. mom in terms of who has the wrong time frame here yeah something's happening with fern for sure i'm with you there and um, then the mom even picks her up and like gives her a big hug like you know there is like this moment of realization but yeah the missing commentary to go with it is definitely suspect and then just i don't want to retread all ground we've covered in the last few episodes but just like what what is the story here with the mission that her parents are seemingly on we don't know right. anything about and then also the mission that she herself, Fern, is on with this green stone. What like what's going on again? Is any of this tied to the Moon Tide Crown, or is that just a separate thing that these Unseelie Court people are wanting for whatever reason, and maybe is not directly tied to whatever her parents are doing? Mm -hmm. um, again, I'm not don't really have anywhere satisfying to conclude this with, but just so many questions still that. Uh, Right. I'm curious about. Well, let us know in the comments what you think is going on and what's going to happen. And could this be a longer uh, absence for Ashley Johnson or are we going straight to the Feywild? Um, Will, I do agree. It does seem a bit odd if, you know, Dusk was to leave and be like, now don't you dare follow me because this portal only stays up for 15 seconds after I leave. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, what else from the episode do you want to talk about? That's kind of that was kind of like the major data point. But. Yeah, let me uh, pull up my notes here that I took. Um, but yeah, it was definitely mostly this whole dusk fern situation. Um, there were there were a couple of moments that I just really enjoyed that I forgot to mention during the recap. But uh, Sam Sam's like Mario Kart turtle shells for his <laughs> spiritual guardians. I thought yeah. that was such a great touch, and he did like a banana peel later yeah <laughs> um, that was fantastic uh we still have so when fcg at, at the end of the race they went back to joe's right and joe repaired fcg took him for the night to fix him which i was very immediately suspect on i was thinking oh, i don't know about this uh but then ashton went with them so but yeah Seemingly got a good night's sleep and got, you know, topped off, tinkered off. Yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously that kind of wasn't this whole dusk and everything was the big kind of emphasis on the next morning. But I'm curious as to if FCG's had any type of not revelations, or, but just, you oh, know, if yeah. if if Joe was able to. I mean, I think the implication was just kind of fix him up after the race and the wear and tear that him serving as the wheel would have caused but you know joe was the one that knew 
FCG's true story, true origin. So perhaps did they have any time to like right. tinker further, maybe find some things, you know, maybe just shed some light on some stuff for FCG. Um, curious about that. Cause you know, they talked about like, I would love to take a deeper look at you and, you know, maybe try to figure out more. And FCG was open to that. Um, so I think since I think that would be something that would happen on camera. Okay. And so I don't, I wondered if it happened, but in hindsight, I'm thinking it would be clunky to be like, you know, all right, we're going to go back now to that night. Um, I just don't I think see that right. happening. Um, and I also don't see FCG being asked like to, you know, recollect, you know, oh, he asked me this and he asked me that. Like it wouldn't be very punchy. And so I think it hasn't happened yet. I think they just fixed him up and Ashton stayed with them. That's a great point. I think you're right. Cause that would kind of be unsatisfying um, to yeah. have that off screen. Um, other than that, there was, oh, whoops. Oh, ah, hold on. Sorry. <laughs> I messed up our cameras. There we go. Um, there was this, uh, thing that, uh, Ness brought up in the discord that was, uh, and I don't have it in front of me. Freaking Ness, man, the master detective. I know really site warden in another life. Yeah. Shout out to <laughs> Ness. Um, but then a uh, little behind the scenes here, we filmed this via Discord. So I can't actually look at the Discord because it's going to mess up our cameras. Uh, so I'm probably not fully going to articulate this correctly. But I'm what it now. was. Um, yeah. And if you're looking it up, let me know. But is it in the Critical Role Discord channel? Yeah. Uh, but it was essentially this connection from Call of the Netherdeep, the source book, to what's going on right now. Um, we've talked about this person before, Elixian. I want to say. Yeah. So we've mentioned him before, but apparently what, uh, I don't know if Ness is the one that made that Reddit post or if he just was bringing it forward, but uh, one of Elixian's nicknames is like the Paragon. So there might be a thread there connecting the Paragon's call to what's happening with Ruidus, since we know that Odahan from Imogen's Dream, aka Ruidus, is the leader of the Paragon's call right now. So maybe... You know, maybe there's some through line there, which would be interesting. Now, yeah. So, and we know there's a connection with Atahanthol, um, right? With the swarm. Yeah, I, I say ship it, man. That's crazy. Um, which now who is Elixian though? Elixian, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he was like the hero of like a like an age past. He was like this legendary, maybe not hero, maybe not be the right word, but like warrior. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think disappeared. Yeah, didn't day. didn't we talk about Elixian at some point? We like, did. Wasn't there? Yeah, we did. Wasn't from like the museum episode or something? Probably. I don't remember exactly when, but we definitely did. Um, okay, yeah, because it's ringing a bell. Which and yeah, we were, and someone was like, "Oh, it's from Call. It's in Call the Nether Deep or something." And we were yeah. like, "Oh, okay." Um, so I hate to openly speculate when I don't have all the facts straight in my mind right now, but to me that sounds like a very logical thread to kind of tie those things together. And also, and this is just a complete shot in the dark operating probably off of bad information. But what if Elixian is like in slash on Ruidus and maybe like this whole thing is to like free them or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's from, which is interesting because Elixian, I'm just looking at like the critical role fandom page and, um, was dubbed the Apotheon, was a mortal champion blessed by the prime deities 
who was pivotal in fighting against Grumsh, Grumsh, sorry, the Ruiner, one of the, um, one of the, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you get it. And he was, um, a, he was Rudis born, right? Right, right. Um, so now I'm just looking for the detail where he gets mentioned in the museum. Um, stand by. Yeah, he, you and I definitely talked about him one time, but I cannot remember what the context was. It might, it right. might, oh, you know what? It might have just been the episode near the museum, that same town that we couldn't remember the name of earlier, and I, I still don't. But they talked to like the Ruidus expert guy, and he the told them all about Ruidus born people. I think he mentioned maybe Elixian, or they at least oh, like saw his name. They get handed like a, like he has um, the journal of like, or they've been collecting like famous people who possibly were Ruidus born. Yeah. Uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think maybe that name was in there for sure. Um, which, you know, it's all got to be connected for sure. Yeah, so I... That's just, crazy. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because that, that makes a lot of sense to me and uh, still doesn't really give us any answers. Like maybe he was the first... Not Ruid is born, but maybe he... Whatever's happening to Imogen... And Odohan, yeah. maybe Elixian was the first. And so maybe he's like regarded as this, you know. Oh, well, what I was saying was it seems the Paragon's calls seem evil or at least uh, lean. Or maybe not evil. Maybe they just really were just doing what Treshi paid them to do. I don't know. Yeah. Um, mercenaries, maybe for better or worse. Like, yeah, yeah. Looking I mean, out for number one. Yeah. So I don't really see them as like this shadowy organization that's actually trying to bring back or something, this former hero. Um, but maybe, I don't know. It's definitely a really crazy coincidence. And you heard it here first on the <laughs> pixel list podcast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks Ness for bringing that to our attention. That's an awesome detail for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I wanted to mention that, uh, but other than that, I mean, really, you know, we had this episode was basically 90% the race, which was fun, but not much to really dissect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, we so. know the party had, they had a long rest, um, which seemingly sets them up for possibly a big encounter. Who knows? They're going to have their whole, whole, uh, you know, set of tools for the task. But uh, I guess yeah. we'll see in a week what's going to happen. Yeah. And okay. For your money. What do you think? They teleport now, or is there going to be a big conflict? I don't know if there's a mechanic in D&D where someone can kidnap two people. Um, like, I know a lot of things have to be, like, a willing creature. Um, right. So I don't know. Uh, my money is on backup showing up, and then potentially them leaving, uh, kidnapping Fern and Birdie. Um but yeah, like you said, I don't really see a combat scene happening surrounded. But but, but maybe, I don't know. Is are all of Bell's Hells there? I can't remember if like only a few of them went to Joe's or did they all go? Do you remember? I think they're all there because I think some were outside and saw Birdie pulling up and so they all like moved in. So okay, so they're all like, there. They just weren't all inside right. Joe's. Yeah, somewhere inside, somewhere outside, and then came inside when they saw Birdie. Coming. Okay. Yeah. So to me, I, I agree that surely it's not going to be a combat situation unless dusk is a lot stronger than, than we think, but 
Yeah. Can't imagine that there's a one V like 10 scenario that's going to happen. So yeah, maybe backup comes, but I'm interested to see for sure. Yeah. Let us know in the comments what you think. And uh, also don't forget that the podcast is on all podcast platforms. So you, you can yeah. uh, tune in to not just critical role, but hear what we think about the show and <laughs> you know, if there's going to be combat or not, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for those of you that do listen to us on the podcast, we super appreciate that. Um, helps us every, every little bit of engagement helps us out a ton. I actually, I meant to tell you this. I just remembered I got an email the other day that was like, your podcast is trending in like Denmark or something. And I was like, what? Which I mean, trending, it was like, you know, 75th in like the entertainment category but i just thought that was hilarious so yeah i just yeah thank you for all of our denmark yeah, thanks shout out to all our denmark <laughs> listeners <laughs> yeah it is weird how that happens sometimes because like i get i have another podcast on entrepreneurship and business and um i got a stat this was earlier this year where the podcast was like the number seven most listened to podcast in ireland <laughs> which i was like Okay, killing it cool yeah the irish they love the <laughs> the podcast <laughs> but anyway thank you guys for listening uh wherever you are so that's kind of the beauty of D is it just brings us all together yeah absolutely and reminder that we are I, we're not there yet uh but we're getting close to a thousand subs and when we do we're going to be giving away a copy of taldoe reborn um all you got to do is be a subscriber to our youtube and you're entered so mm-hmm. uh you know Help us out if you're not subscribed and, you know, if, if you don't mind, if you do, it's fine. Uh, but <laughs> you might win a free book. So, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, what do you do with the thumbnail? Oh, I feel like either somehow racing, which I don't really know how we would translate necessarily. I was or... looking for like racer goggles, but I don't have Ooh, any. <laughs> that would have been good. I guess we could like, it might be like binoculars. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Or like the, something with the reveal. One of us could be doing like a you know okay yeah yeah all right so one's doing that what's i'm doing that okay (laughs) okay (laughs) maybe which way are you gonna be like i'll try to be like drifting with the way you're turning yeah yeah i don't know how that if that even makes sense but yeah it'll be bossaras drift you know perfect i'll do i'm gonna go this way okay wait so bring your hands a little bit more like this yeah okay yeah it's the smallest wheel (laughs) okay (laughs) <laughs> one day we'll have okay. to do like a montage of all our thumbnails or something yeah <laughs> all right you're like we need to record this next episode i'm like i'm still working on the montage <laughs> forget it man well thank you guys for listening don't forget we're on twitter at the pixelist and uh yeah don't be a stranger so yeah party y'all have a good one see ya <laughs>